Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. So... I need to confess something before I do anything today. This was a tough week for many reasons. Many reasons. There was a lot that happened. Um, and I, I'll spare you the details, but specifically when it came to this message, this sermon, uh, you ever had those times whenever you have an assignment like you remember in college or you guys in high school, like you have an assignment, you're supposed to write a paper or whatever, and you just, no matter what you do, you have these ideas floating in your head, but you just can't spit it out and get it on the paper. That's my week. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I say this, I, maybe I'm undermining my credibility by doing this, but I need to be honest and transparent with you. I studied, I prayed, I sought counsel, I talked, I, I, I kept going back and all these studies. I took this passage of scripture that Brandon gave me, that we've been going through for, this is week five, that we've been in this chapter in Genesis. And when I was initially asked, my first thought was, what am I going to do with this? Like, you've already said everything, you know, we're focusing on this one little, little chunk. Like, I got nothing left to say. I don't, I don't know. So I was, like, at first worried that I wasn't going to have something. And then I started studying and reading and praying and realized, oh, there's, like, a million different things that are in this tiny chunk of Scripture that we just gloss over. Most of the time, whenever we get to Genesis chapter 4, we're just like, oh, it's Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, and okay, we'll move on. It's the next part of the story. Right? That's just, it's just, at least that's, maybe that's the way that I've done it, just because it was, a, it was a Sunday school story, and I've heard the story so many times over and over again, like, it's become commonplace. But when I, when I started to, to pull back the layers of this story, I found so, 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 so much to the point where I became almost overwhelmed, like, okay, God, now what? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? What's, what's in this? And so... I'm going to pray one more time because I fully and firmly, 100% with all that I have, believe that God has a message here, that God has something specific to say, and I need his words, because if I try and say it myself, I'm going to mess it up. So if you would allow, I'm just going to pray one more time. I know it's church. It's a crazy idea, right? Father God, as, as we come before you, God, and I open up your word, Lord, empty me. God, I so desperately want your word to come alive, and I want your spirit to speak. And in order for that to happen, I need you. We need you to fall into this place, to open our eyes, to open our ears to what it is that you have for us in this passage, to speak as we, as we wrestle through Scripture and the different themes and the different ideas and the different ways that this applies so well to us. God, give me your words. Give us your words this morning. Father, we love you. Amen. 
Okay, so let's start with a little recap. Um, the last month we've been talking about this, right? Brandon has had multiple points, and I just want to share with you some of the things that we've talked about already this, this, this month when it comes to jealousy, okay? Because that's the whole theme of this month is jealousy. So way back four weeks ago, the point was jealousy when unchecked drives us to anger. That was the point that Brandon talked to us about first because we saw this in the story where jealousy in Cain's life became anger, which eventually became the second point, which is jealousy secludes and kills. And in this story's case, it literally killed a person. And then when confronted by God, we saw jealousy avoiding admission of wrong. We saw Cain deflect. Well, am I my brother's keeper? Isn't that your job? And then we see jealousy's punishment is the bitter curse of isolation. We saw this curse laid out on Cain. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read through the scripture again. We're gonna start, we're gonna tell the whole story through the Bible. It's gonna be on the screen if you, if you don't wanna turn there. But we're just gonna, we're gonna go into this and we're gonna unpack this kind of step by step to see a little bit more about what's going on here. So Genesis chapter four, we're in verse one. So now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Pause. So we see there up to this point in the story, right? The jealousy set in and it's becoming anger. And this anger is welling up inside of Cain and he is confronted at this point and has an opportunity to, to deal with it, right? And I love the imagery that God gives us. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. I think Brandon might have used this, so I might be literally saying word for word what he said, but, I, but I, I have this image of you're standing at a door and you're thinking about opening that door and on the other side is someone just pounding, like ready. And as soon as you grab that handle and turn, he's gonna drop his shoulder and barge in and totally take over. But God gives Cain a charge. He says, subdue it. Be its master. You do know we have a choice, right? that we do not have to be slave to sin. It's not the way this whole thing works. It, it used to work that way, right? Before Christ, we were slaves to sin. But in Christ, if you are a Christian, if you believe in God and you have accepted Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are no longer a slave to sin. But that does not mean that you don't 
have to subdue it. See, we have these things in our life, and for Cain, it was jealousy, and it might be that for you, but it might also be lust. It might be, it might be gossip. It might be greed. It might be you name it. We all have those sins that are crouching at our door, and yes, we can stand in the grace and the truth of knowing that God loves me and his grace covers me, but that doesn't take away the fact that we need to subdue our sin. Paul writes in the, in the New Testament, he says to literally kill our flesh. Yay. <laughs> right? There's things that drive us that, that we desire so much that are not in line with this. We're charged to subdue. We're charged to kill. Because if we don't, it is eager to control me and you. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. Do you think it's a good idea whenever you're filled with whatever your temptation is to go into a place of temptation even more? No, right? Like... Mm, I might, I'm, I'm thinking about like killing him. So let me go be with him by ourselves in a place where no one can see this, just in case I decide I want to do this, right? Let me put myself in a position where it's okay for me, like I, I can do this in the dark, instead of subduing it and saying, hey, let's go have dinner with mom and dad, or hey, let's go be with people. Let's go in a place where even if I really, really, really want to, I won't because people will see it, right? Cain doesn't do that. Cain says, hey, Abel, Let's, let's go out in the field by ourselves out where no one can see us. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I think of, I work with teenagers, I'm a youth pastor, right? And I teach in classrooms and so I get, I just picture like, you know, the, the, Right, the, the overdramatic, like, whatever. And I also, it, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing like a middle schooler, right? You know how, don't take offense, guys. I love you so much. <laughs> you know, whenever you, you, like, you confront your kid or whatever, and they're just like, ah, no, what are you talking, no. It's probably not what happened, but that's what I'm picturing. <laughs> so I don't know, Cain responded, am I my brother's guardian? Am I my brother's keeper? He wasn't my responsibility. He's yours. You made him. Or, you know, like, what are you, it's your job. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. Now, from now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. There's consequence. Every sin has consequence. No matter what. That's part, of, that's part of choice. When we have this choice to choose what we do, where we go, we enact consequence. Right? Good, bad, or indifferent. Right? That's, I teach this in the classroom all the time because we have to understand this idea of what is consequence. It's the result of an action. If I do something, something will happen, period, end. There's no way around that, right? But so often we like to live as if, well, I'm, I'm behind closed doors. 
no one's going to see it. There's not going to be consequences then, right? If no one knows, if I'm lying and no one knows the truth, there's always consequence. And sometimes that consequence doesn't come out right away. Sometimes we see consequence immediately. Sometimes we don't see consequences until 10 years down the road. But consequences are there. That's, and this is a weird statement. That's actually part of God's grace. Part of God's grace towards us as his children is him saying, okay, you have a choice. Don't choose that. Oh, you chose that. Now you've got to live through the consequences of that choice. Because if God was, if God was not gracious, he would control us, right? And we would no longer, he would take that choice from us. Now, there are times when that happens. There are times when God steps in and says, no, this isn't going to happen. I'm going to remove you from this situation. That happens. But there are other times when God allows us to make these choices. And then we have to live with the consequences of those choices. And then we have an option. We have another choice. We could react like Cain. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land, from your presence, and you have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. Oh my, woe is me. I cannot bear the consequences. See, in his case, jealousy, he was so jealous of of Abel that he did this act, but then jealousy continued because for whatever reason, I bet you jealousy convinces us that if we do something in our jealousy, if we do something out of our anger, that it's going to fix the problem, that it's going to make me feel better, that it's going to make the situation go away. But the reality is that when we act on jealousy or we act on any other kind of sin, it gets worse and things compound, right? And he thought... Well, if I do this, then maybe my jealousy will go away. But he found out that that was magnified and it became more and more selfish. It became more and more about me. Oh God, I cannot bear this. Anyone who finds me will kill me. Do you realize that he should have been killed on the spot? Like, if you read the Old Testament, that's the way the law works. You kill somebody eye for an eye. And God, being God of the universe, had every right to take Cain's life at that moment. And if I'm going to be honest, and this is one of those areas in Scripture where it's tough, not always fully understood, there's wrestle in this, but you look all throughout Scripture, there are people who, have been, who God has allowed to die for way less. If you think about in Acts, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, I don't know how many of you guys know that story, but basically this couple sold their land and brought in a portion of what they earned from selling that land to the temple as a sacrifice, but they withheld some and lied about it. Ananias first said, hey, here's my offering, everything that I have, and Paul said, is this everything? He said, yeah, Paul said, or not Paul, Peter. He's like, you're lying, not to me, but to God. And he fell over dead on the spot. Sapphira came in, his wife came in a little bit later, did the exact same thing, fell over dead. What? And yet Cain, 
before Jesus, mind you, was spared. Grace. He was given life when he didn't deserve it, and yet Cain has the, the, these blinders of jealousy on. He's so consumed with his own jealousy and his own sin and his own pride that, oh, woe is me. He didn't see the blessing that God was actually giving him. And God even had to spell it out. He said later, he, in the next verse, he says, no, for I will give, you, give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So not only did God spare his life, but he protected him. And this isn't the first time in scripture that we see this. We see this exact same kind of thing with Adam and Eve. When Eve partook of the fruit, the punishment was to be death. But instead of death, they were covered. They were sent out, but they were clothed and protected. Grace, consequence. They're not two separate things. They're one and the same. And sometimes we can understand it. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm just going to be up front with you. I don't understand it all the time. But God has a, is a big picture God. He knows the whole story. And it isn't about us, guys. It ain't about us. It's about him. It's about his glory, his ultimate glory. And he will have it because he is God. Praise be to him who allows us to be a part of it. He allows us, he, he gives us the choice. He says, come and be a part of my kingdom and be a part of this. I said that when we're faced with this, we have two choices. We have two options. So I want to, I want to, really quickly tell you a story of another man in the Bible. You might have, might have heard of him. His name is David. David was this great king of Israel, right? He was the second king after Saul, and he was a man after God's own heart. He lived above reproach. He did all these things, right? But he had a moment where just like Cain, he was caught out of place. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was supposed to have gone off to war with his troops, but instead he stayed home, went up on his roof where he wasn't supposed to be at the time, sees Bathsheba for the first time. He sees Bathsheba bathing on a roof, falls in love with her, well, falls in lust with her at first, right? So it gets her to come over, sleeps with her, she gets pregnant. He doesn't want her husband to find out, he doesn't want anybody to find out, so he comes up with this great and elaborate scheme to have. Uriah come and sleep with his wife so it looks like his baby. He doesn't bite, so he has Uriah killed. And Nathan, the prophet, was given a word by God and risked his life to tell the king, because this could have been really bad for him. At that time, the king had full power. The king could have done whatever he wanted. He came to the king. Nathan came and said to David, he gave him this parable, the story of a man who had everything, had all these, it was, it was with sheep. He had just this huge flock of sheep, but there was this one man who had one beautiful, perfect sheep that he cherished and he loved, and the man who had everything stole that sheep and killed it for dinner. That's the Cliff Notes version of the story. And David's reaction was, that's an awful thing to do, kill him. 
Like he deserves death. And Nathan goes, yeah, that's you. That's what you have done. And because you have done this, he went on and listed consequences. All of these things will happen. And we find another moment in scripture where we have a man being confronted for his jealousy, for his sin that became anger, that became murder, and actually much worse. And David weeps and and seeks forgiveness and comes back to God in repentance. Did it stop the consequences? Nathan says, you have been forgiven. But these things will still happen, including the offspring of that event dying. Consequence wasn't erased, but grace was still present. So what do we do with all of this? What do we do with this understanding of grace and consequence? How do we, and this is a lot of where my wrestle started this week. Like, okay, the stories are great and we can learn a lot from it. What happens when we step into consequence? When we make a poor choice and are David or we're Cain, and we're now living in the consequences of our sin. How do we, what do we do? Know that there's grace. We've been talking about that. Know that there's forgiveness. There's nothing that you can do, nothing that you can do to step out of God's grace. Nothing. Even in the midst of our consequences, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2. This is not on the screen. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, but our very nature, by our very nature, we're subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Sound familiar? It's kind of what I was just talking about, right? <laughs> Verse four, one of my favorite phrases in the, in the whole Bible. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, this is still the truth. That we were dead in sin, but because of Jesus, we can step into life. Now, again, like I said, that doesn't step us out of consequences, but you know what it does? It starts to put us on a different path. 
There's a book by Andy Stanley called The Principle of the Path. The first half of it's really good. I don't know about the second half because I don't finish books. I don't know, it's just me. <laughs> but <laughs> the, <laughs> the principle of the path is this. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, determines destination. If you don't like where you are, move. God's grace is there. And you, didn't, you need to know, again, I've said this already like three times, but I can't hammer this enough. You are not outside the reach of grace. No matter what you've done, no matter what's happened to you. And you might be sitting and thinking, well, God, I'm surrounded by all of this consequence, all of this mess that I have gotten myself into because of years and years of living in sin, years of being jealous, years of being whatever. God's not asking for you to change everything at this moment. He says, come as you are. He asks you to take one step. When you take that step, he's going to give you the power to take another step. And his Holy Spirit will continue to give you the strength to take step after step after step. And if you follow him, be obedient to him. That's the part we don't like to hear. We don't like the whole, wait, I've got to actually obey. I've got to actually do things. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And when we do, slowly but surely, we'll start to see ourselves in a different place. And we'll look back. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And we'll go, man, look where I've come from. And you know what that's called? That's called testimony. That's when I can say, look where I was. But by the grace of God, I am no longer a slave to sin, and I was able to start making changes because of what he has done, and now I'm here. And man, check back in next year because I'm going somewhere else. That's where we all need to be. Our story is not over. Your story is not over, no matter where you are no matter what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get an early lunch. Let the worship team come up. I'm going to pray for us. But listen. <laughs> Hold on. You need to know Jesus. I don't know you guys very well. I don't, I'm bad with names. I don't know the names of 90% of the people in this room probably because, well, that's just, I'm bad with that. But I don't know your stories. But Jesus does. And Jesus loves you so very, very much. Loves you enough to not leave you where you are. So as the worship team is singing, and as we are worshiping in this place, don't ignore the Holy Spirit's calling. Don't ignore the convictions. Don't think to yourself, 
I've made some mistakes that I'm no longer good. I'm not, I'm not good enough because that is a lie from the enemy. Satan is going to whisper in your ear all day long, you're too far gone. And guess what? That is absolutely, completely false. And if God is doing this in your life, if God is moving in such a way that you're hearing his call, that you're feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit, you're tired of where you are, you want to make changes, you want to step into grace, what are you waiting for? God is sitting here with arms wide open. And so there's some altars up here. Come over here, my left, your right. If you want to just be alone with God, you want to come up and pray and just be with God. If you want someone to come pray with you, my right, your left. Don't, don't miss this, guys. Don't miss his grace. Father God, I thank you so much for your word for the word of life. The word that comes alive and we can read the same story year after year after year and still glean so much from it. If we would just open up our hearts and our minds to you. And so God is, your spirit is in this place. Soften our hearts to grace. Call us out of where we are. Give us the boldness and the courage to, to take that first step, to step into you, to surrender to your spirit, that we might claim that because of your spirit in us that we are no longer slaves to sin. God, your word says that in Christ Jesus there is overwhelming victory. And I claim that today. I claim that for myself. I claim that for this church. God, help us to step into it. Help us to, to not be afraid of stepping into the light, stepping out of our situations because we know that grace and mercy will hold us through whatever happens. God, we love you, we praise you, and it's in your name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.